Welcome to the podcast of Thank God It's Friday. I'm Richard Glover, and as you may have noticed, our TGIF regular, Tommy Dean, has been missing from our panel. He's back in America for a couple of months. And while we've missed him on TGIF, he's instead been joining us with a weekly letter from America. So if you're keen on catching up with him, stay listening at the end of this podcast for Tommy Dean's Letter from America. But first, this week's TGIF. We would like to advise that the following program may contain adult themes, occasional nudity, and language that may offend some listeners. Thank God it's... Welcome to the Lindley Evans Music Studio at the ABC in Ultimo for another edition of Thank God It's Friday. I'm Richard Glover and this week with the music, it's the cast of the new production of Gilbert and Sullivan's Pinafore! <laughs> and our panel, Chris Ryan, Subby Valentine, Rebecca de Unamuno! <laughs> and our audience this week drawn from Kayama, Gosford, Wyong Creek, Forster, Edelong and Ultimo! <laughs> The older ones made a big effort, <laughs> yeah, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. came as, as many as 15 feet. Um, now, uh, first, before all that, the news from nowhere. And, of course, it's what day today? <laughs> ah, lots of bunches of flowers will be delivered. Now, here's my idea. Each bunch of flowers should come with a legal warning. Because other products have liability waivers, right? So why not the flowers? For example, you could give the flowers for Valentine's Day and you'd see this little label and it'd say, congratulations on choosing this bunch of flowers from Daisies R Us as your Valentine's Day gift. Daisies R Us takes no responsibility for any relationship or affair which may <laughs> result from the distribution of these flowers. Romance is an inherently dangerous activity. It may lead to risky dancing, over-optimistic dress sense... And probably the coronavirus. <laughs> in isolated cases, use of this product may even result in marriage. <laughs> marriage can lead to serious complications, such as A, finding yourself driving a station wagon with a private school sticker on the back window, or B, finding yourself watching repeats of the TV program Midsummer Murders and Considering This Life. <laughs> While Daisies R Us has made all reasonable efforts to ensure the freshness of its product, consumers must make their own inquiries as to the suitability of the recipient. Daisies R Us recommends you choose a recipient who is in your league. Remember, it's a bunch of flowers, not a magic spell. <laughs> product failure is not covered when our product is given to a hottie by a naughty. <laughs> Safety first. Cautions should be exercised when handing over flowers. Present your gift in a casual manner, then assess the reaction. If you are offered any encouragement, admit they are a Valentine's gift and that you have been admiring the person from afar. If they look at you with some horror when you hand over <laughs> the flowers, claim the flowers are for your mother and you were just hoping to borrow a vase. <laughs> Locate your nearest exit. All lovers are subtly different. In the case of an emergency, you should know your escape route. You may need to make a run for it, especially if they suggest a first date that involves Netflix and Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> Do not use this product in bright sunlight. Romantic gifts work best when the lighting is subdued. Do not allow the recipient to see your face clearly. <laughs> 
especially if you're older than 22. <laughs> Do not give to co-workers. Daisy's R Us uh, does not condone the use of its products in the pursuit of an office affair. Office affairs can lead to unemployment, heartbreak and the widespread dissemination of information about your buttock rash. Don't do it. <laughs> Alcohol. Alcohol should always be added to both recipient and gift giver before use of this product. Distorted vision, finally. Romantic gifts such as flowers can create vision problems. When waking up after a night of passion, some objects may appear smaller. <laughs> Other than that, please enjoy your day and remember, we just grow the daisies. And that's the news from nowhere. We have Chris Ryan, we have Rebecca de Unamuno, and of course we have the man after whom this day was named. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yes. It is your day. It's my day. It's, um, you know, I get a lot of visitors. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people just want to know the secrets. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you a bit later because I don't want to. I don't want to ruin it. You've, yeah. you've you've done such good work, but yeah. uh, you know it's yeah. a bit special. There are you secrets, know. and he will be sharing them with you later. You'll be leaving this in a very different. State I'll of sprinkle mind. them just throughout yeah. the show. Uh, now, who might now volunteer to have a day off as others volunteer as other volunteers begin their reign? Oh, well, this is the the RFS volunteers. Aren't they amazing? Haven't they just been yeah, absolutely we, uh, incredible? <laughs> Because finally we can say it's over at we the moment. We can say yeah, it's yeah. over. Yeah, they can say all that the all the fires are out. But they've had to hand over to another group that have a three le- a three letter mm-hmm. name, and that's the SES. Because um, no sooner had the fires been put out that it was torrential rain, and we've now had floods. Yeah. So it's just unbelievable. So was there a gap? Was there any gap at all between <laughs> the heroes of the RFS? Saving the day and the heroes of the SES saving the day. I don't think there was. It was just it was an immediate flip, and it's like from one extreme to the other. And it's just been it's been a remarkable summer. And I've got to say that Banana Rama song "Cruel Summer" is what keeps playing in my head as a bit of a soundtrack. But let's also point out though, it's only the fourteenth of February. Yeah, so let's not get let's ahead not of ourselves. Our chickens. Like we've had the RFS to the SES. Like we've had fires, floods, mm-hmm. pestilence. Mm-hmm. Got a bit of that going on. Mm-hmm. I'm looking. I'm thinking within two weeks, locusts. <laughs> I reckon so the the, RFS, SES, Renekil, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> We're just going to go there. Someone else. I, yeah. I reckon, look, shark plague, it's not out of the question. <laughs> Sharknadoes, I reckon, like, just yeah. keep an eye on your backyard pool is what I'm saying because you never know what's in there. Is someone going through the Bible and working I reckon, out I reckon that's, that's what right. it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. We, there's all sorts of things. It, it has been remarkable. I mean, everyone's it's been so... Um, so amazed by the work of the of the RFS, but then to see the SES doing the same work, saving us again. Mm, mm. And I, I flew, uh, I flew into Sydney from Melbourne on Sunday afternoon. Does everybody remember what Sunday afternoon was like? <laughs> Wasn't that a treat? And um, needless That's to great. say, I was the last flight that was allowed to land in Sydney that afternoon. And I ha- I fly a lot for work. Yeah. We, we, I tour a lot, and I have never been more terrified. On a plane, there were people around me who were crying, praying, and I was just listening to Ian Moss on the uh, in-flight entertainment. <laughs> Bit of Tucker's daughter got me through that landing, uh, but it was amazing. So all uh, so amazing when you think about the people that do their jobs in these conditions as well yeah, yeah. that just have to keep going. So the, everybody gave a round of applause to the captain. Uh, a little bit of we came out, I must admit, for me, <laughs> it was a little bit wrong. And then of course, trying to get to my front door, I was drenched, and I was like, "Where have I been this whole time? This is incredible." And of course, Chris, you're from Canberra, and Canberra was so. Surrounded by fire. Look, someone it? was trying to get us, Richard. Uh, they <laughs> didn't win, but you know, yeah, it was it was unbelievable. I just l- lay under my doona, refreshing the fires near me app all summer. That was my summer. 
you know, I became a bit of a doomsday prepper, uh, right. just filling my Getting lounge tan, room canned with goods ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah baked stuff. beans yeah. and water yeah. bottles. Yeah. Not for me, for well, Australia. If you're, spending, <laughs> if you're spending a lot of time under a doona, I wouldn't be eating that many baked beans. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who, uh, who spoke fluent Hollywood without using any American words this week? Who? The words would be Parasite, the movie Parasite, Parasite yeah. which won the Oscar. And, First uh, foreign language film to yes. win the best. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Good. Good. You, have to be, you have to be careful, though, don't you, because it's not the first foreign film, because there was a foreign film, but it was silent. Ah, is that right? Ah, okay. yes. That's a bit of a loophole there. Has mm. anyone watched it? I've seen yeah. it, yeah. yeah. I, I saw it when it first came out, Richard. Yeah. I, feel pretty, I pretty, <laughs> feel pretty smug right now. Everyone else is rushing off to see it, and I'm like, yeah, I've already seen that thing. Don't worry about it. Yeah. There was something, it was a weird So you, you were, when all the other people run towards the cinema, you say, you parasite. Exactly. <laughs> but there was something very odd about the whole thing because if people haven't seen the movie, it's not a spoiler, but it's about some people who are doing it really tough in Korea and they sort of get their way into a rich... And it's all about this rich-poor divide in Korea, which is... And it's kind of... The, and the director's saying it's a very worldwide phenomenon. And then for it to win all these Oscars and all these really rich people to be <laughs> applauding it with their $200,000 goodie bag, it just felt a bit wrong, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Like, but isn't the director amazing? Isn't he just fantastic? Um, uh, Boon, uh, Bong Joon-ho, sorry, my apologies, um, is just... I loved him. I watched the Oscars every year and I was watching it. I fell in love with him. What a lovely man. And uh, when he said after he won... Best she just wants to be cast. I just want to be cast, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For my Korean uh, outlook on life. Um, I... I Basically, when he said when he won Best Director, um, he said that he's going to drink until the next morning. And I went, a man after my own heart. <laughs> Fell right in love with him then. But it's going to be a boom, I think, for South Korean film because um, a friend of mine is, who's a, a, in New Zealand is a huge South Korean film fan and there has loved them for years. And right. the first thing he did when it won was just list, like, 25 South Korean films that you must go and watch now. But they've also won. got the K-pop going and they've got lots of stuff. Oh, they've got heaps going on. It's amazing. Amazing. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I think it's fantastic to have something like that happen. It's a shame they dropped the lights on them when they were speaking. Yeah, but they, they put them back up because Tom Hanks said that was okay. <laughs> is it a measure? Right. Is it a measure that the film was brilliant, or just the rest of the films that year were pretty rubbish? Oh no, bit of both. Yeah. Really, you think? Well, I know the other. Yeah, I mean, because they weren't. They can't let a woman win, obviously. Oh well, no, yeah. no, no, female, no. I, yeah, I think the best film for me wasn't even nominated. I like Little Women. Was, that's, oh yeah, well, that's that the thing. It was directed by a woman. To be frank, I don't go to the movies. I wait till it's cheap. And I watch it on Netflix or whatever, hmm. you know. Free. Yes, free. or ABC free. on demand or whatever. <laughs> I think Parasite's on it is. streaming it's devices. On, it's, it's on um, cable. Yeah, it's on yeah, cable. It's, yeah, you have to pay oh, have $7 to pay. for it and that's oh, too that's much for Chris. Who's now Biden? Who's now Biden his time <laughs> hoping for a rerun of Weekend at Bernie's? <laughs> Can anyone guess? Yeah. Who could that be? Now, when you say he's ho- this is Joe Biden, obviously, when you say he's hoping for a rerun of Weekend at Bernie's, do you think he hopes that Bernie's going to die? Yeah. Right? yeah. Right. Well, he's quite old. Well, they're all very old, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the right. thing. I mean, it's, yeah. a, it's a bit of a... I mean, Except for Pete, Mayor Pete. Well, that's right. But Joe's a bit of a weird cat, isn't he? Yeah. Like, he was, you know, vice president, I think, is great. Did you see the other day he called someone... Uh, someone asked him a question from the audience, quite a nice question. It's a young student, I believe it was. And he called her a lying dog-faced pony <gasps> soldier. <laughs> this... <laughs> No one knows what it means. He's used Say it a, again. He called her a lying dog-faced pony soldier. Right? And then, I mean, we've all been it, there. Yeah, that's that, right. Isn't that, a, isn't that a lying jockey? Well, it turns out, and then he's used... What's gone, a pony soldier? Well, no one knows, but then they <laughs> investigate it. And he's, he's used this phrase before, right? But then he's 
excuse me. No, it's a it's from a John Wayne film. Uh-huh. Oh. No one can find the film. Oh yeah, right. His demented mind has made it up, and he's convinced himself that it's a. It's not a John Wayne line. He just yeah. thinks it because even John Wayne wouldn't. Oh, you're so demented. You're lying, living dog in, feet. What the yeah. hell? If he's demented and living in the past, elect him president. Well, exactly. Yeah. Right away. Yeah. He is he'll, the man. That's the he'll thing. fit right in. A, a, a crazy old coot who says crazy things. He's your man. He's, he's going to go straight to the top. But I have a terrible feeling. I have a really terrible feeling that the Democrats are going to shoot themselves in the foot. Like we're all going, oh, it's going to be great. We're going to get rid of it. And then I just go, you know what? I just feel like all this internal bickering and everything. This is a script that if it was, you know, if it was a film, it would end in disaster. Mm-hmm. It would end in... Because uh, Bernie has now had a feud with Elizabeth Warren. Uh, Bernie has mm-hmm. now insulted uh, Mayor Pete, who I, well, that's what I like to call him. Yeah. Um, and so and then all, Biden has uh, attacked uh, everyone, Mayor Pete. having yeah. a go at everyone. But I just think, you know, I really hope that whoever they do end up nominating, they end up... Supporting, uh, I think everyone should get behind. Because isn't eventually. that what? Ha- but isn't that what happened last time? It must be so rough for them, though, because everyone expects their side of the, the of the fence to be happy and nice, because Trump is so the opposite of that. Yeah. So they can't be anything but that, you know. Um, but but, but they spent a whole year tearing each other apart. Exactly, oh, which is so strange. And because in Australia we wait until their prime minister and then the party <laughs> tears them apart. <laughs> Within the parties, everyone's very nice to each other here. It's, yeah, Barnaby was telling me that just the other day. It's fine. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Loves everyone. Uh, we have Chris Ryan. Uh, her, her new uh, stand-up show, I Thought It Would Be Nice, is performing around the country, including in May at the Sydney Comedy Festival. Subby Valentine is here. Rebecca de Unamuno. It is Valentine's Day today. And so we're pleased to have Subby here, of course, after whom the day was <laughs> named. Thank, Thank you very again, much. Thank Subby. you. It's very good. Uh, now, traditionally, romance has been characterised by red roses, intimate dinners for two, champagne, sunset strolls along the beach. But what does true romance look like for you, Chris Ryan? Well, to be honest, I'm not in a romantic... Like, we're not romantic, showy people, my partner and I. We're, you, you know, we, we... I don't know what happened. We're cynical. We kind of look... You know, when people post on Facebook, you know, photos of them cheersing champagne flutes with their partner and with a caption that reads... I'm the luckiest girl in the world. I married my best friend. I just think, oh, they must be on the rocks, you know? I I don't know. Sorry, but that's just what we think. So um, the things that I find really romantic about him are when, you know, like if I say to him, oh, look, someone said my hair looks mental and he doesn't say anything, but then the next day he walks past while I'm doing my hair and he goes, your hair's not mental. I know. See, for me, that's like he's hired a plane and just written in the sky, I love you, you know, and that's enough for me, you know. We don't do romance well. The last time we tried to be romantic, we went to a fancy hotel. We're watching a movie and I forgot that I was sitting on some chocolate for the whole movie. And there was a point in time where I knew what had happened and he didn't know what had happened and I was was really excited about that. And um, so I just said to him, um, oh... Look what happened. And th- he went through the five stages of grief, like, <laughs> no! You know, and then he was bargaining, why did we bring the chocolate? And, you know, like the, but there was a point in time there where it was really bad news for him. Um, but so, so we just don't do romance well. Um, I th- you know, I, th- I, I think that um, I've found the right person because we're both the same on that. Mm. And in the end he found the – he went through several yeah, stages. Yeah, the stages of grief, yeah. yeah. Mm. And then we, he realised that it was chocolate. And, and then he <laughs> – With enormous relief. Absolutely. But, but he still was kind of upset because he didn't want me to make a fuss. Like he didn't want me to ring room service at, you know, midnight. Darling, I'd have been in the <laughs> hospital. Because <laughs> he didn't want it to be a fuss. So I actually had to sleep with the bath mat on, on the chocolate um, 
and that's and you know what I took I took one for the team. For that, that's what I did. You're welcome. So, Sunny Valentine, what do you know, Valentine? Well, Day, obviously, better than most. Well, I am quite the romantic, Richard, and uh, living with me every day is Valentine's Day. <laughs> And I can say that with great confidence because I know my wife's not listening. And if any of my friends are listening, for the love of God, don't tell her what I said. Uh, otherwise, it'll be a Valentine's Day massacre when I get home. But look, all that stuff, your flowers and your, your all that nonsense. Yeah. I mean, you've got to get real. In this day, living in Sydney in this day and age, what romance for me in my relationship is on request, no matter what time of the day, no matter what it is, my wife asks me, I will kill a cockroach. <laughs> doesn't matter what's happening. Yep. Doesn't matter what's happening. I could be I could be in the middle of shaving. I could be changing a light bulb. I could be watching my favourite movie. Whatever it is, if I just hear cockroach, I got to run, Richard. Well, I got to get that that's, thing. That's masculinity. That is writ large. Ma- masculinity in 2020 is killing a cockroach with a rolled up copy of Men's Health. I mean, that's <laughs> no, what that's, it is. That's right. And you got to get the technique right. I've developed the technique so you don't splatter it. You've got to eat it hard enough to kill it, but yeah. not enough to splatter it. And then... And, when, 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 and, that, and that noise, you know... Yeah. That just, it just says, I love you. Exactly, right. Exactly. That is romance right there. And, uh, look, I know that the day my wife... I mean, she has the terrible phobia, so I'm pretty safe. But if she, the day she learns to kill her own cockroaches, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm done. Yeah. That's, what, that's what I know. And she knows the day if I just don't respond, it's all over. That's, that's how we're going to know. It's a little song we sometimes sing to ourselves, we men. It's, thank God for rodents. Exactly. You know, they saved me many a time. Yeah, it's yeah. as simple as that for I me. I don't know if I agree with you about flowers. Though. I, I once was in the bush and I came home and there were some wildflowers, you know, and, and uh, by the roadside and I, I, I picked them and then I realised I couldn't tie them. And so I found on the floor of my ute some used dental floss. <laughs> Wow. Put them up in a little bow. <laughs> I gave them to Deborah, and she liked it. Really? Yeah. Did she know it was dental floss? Yeah, well, it was pretty obvious. <laughs> <laughs> she still thought it was romantic. That's lovely. Way, yeah. lovely. <laughs> uh, Rebecca, romance, true romance. Not this, not uh, this flowers, you know, from uh, the florist stuff. Whatever. <laughs> I'm 44 and single. Valentine's Day can take a running leap off a very short pier as far as I'm concerned. So for me, true romance, what does it look like? It looks like a Quentin Tarantino movie that I quite like, uh, to be perfectly honest. Uh, I Look, it's Valentine's Day is hard. Any single people here today? Yeah, let me hear you. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That's just to let everyone know at home there are people that don't have partners on this day. Yeah. Some, some of the chaps are looking a bit worried because their, their partner, partner they yes. thought they came with. <laughs> they brought good. them out to TGIF, admittedly a free ticket, so it's not a big commitment. Oh, that's what I like to do. That's my job, to break up couples on Valentine's Day. So that's a nice strike rate there. But um, I've decided not to let the, the day get to me anymore because for, for years I just sat at home and watched some TV and went, oh, hey, your tops to myself. Um, so I've decided that... Or waiting time... for the postman to come and... Oh, the postman never... No, the postman never comes. It's a bill normally when the postman comes. He, I'd prefer he stayed away. But uh, so, this, so I've decided the last few years to go out on Valentine's Day. If for nothing else, there is nothing better than upsetting some lovely smoochy couples in a restaurant by just staring longingly at them <laughs> whilst you slurp up a long piece of spaghetti into your mouth. <laughs> 
you know, I think Lady and the Tramp, but I'm just the tramp. You know what I mean? <laughs> just think like that. And the other week, two years ago, I went, or maybe it was three, I went to James Taylor. I went to a James Taylor concert nice. and it was on Valentine's Day. And I went, oh, what's going to happen? Huh. Everyone will be in the dark. Everyone will be listening to James Taylor. Everyone will be focusing on James Taylor. Well, I was lucky enough for my single seat to be in between two couples who could not keep their hands off one another, who spent the entire time kissing through every song and whispering sweet nothings in their ear. And then obviously they got so worked up that both couples left before the concert was over. And when the lights came up, there I was with an entire row to myself. So everyone knew I was there on my own. But I, I think for, as, as a woman who's, who's tries to date, I think romance for me is looking into my eyes when you're talking to me and not at my breasts. Oh. That, that's, oh, I'm No, in. look, a lot of men have just got a lot of neck problems. Yeah, yeah. Simple. I'm really short. I don't understand it. Uh, another one is um, asking questions. Asking questions about me. Just ask something of me. That's romantic for me. I've just been on Tinder and I was in a conversation with a guy um, for about two weeks and I learned everything about him, where he lived, what he does for a living, where he's originally from, what his hobbies are, um, you know, what kind of music he likes. He asked me not one question. Um, it was like I was stuck in a round of conversation masturbation. <laughs> it was so incredibly frustrating for me, but he got a hell game? of a lot out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah good. It should be. <laughs> That's quite a gift, though, Beck, because at least you knew. You know, he's well, not absolutely exactly. not the one for you. But yeah. then he hung around for eight. I didn't speak to him again. And I was like, I'm not going to unmatch you just because you're dull. Because um, <laughs> let's face it, he was hot. Uh, so I am shallow. But uh, but then I, I was so offended when he un- I looked the other day and he'd unmatched me. Oh. How rude. But do you think if men knew, if that guy knew, mm. all he had to do was just say, I have it in my profile. Where did you grow up? I what? have it in my profile, Richard. One of the first things I say on my profile is good conversation and a sense of humour are a must. Mm-hmm. You can't read that. Forget it. I was, if I had a chinder, what, what's the Joe Biden phrase? You, yeah, you know, I'd attract it? people, wouldn't it? Would if you I, said well, you like, dumb, I don't know what kind of people. You lying dog faced pony soldier. Yeah, that'll, that'll be running for that's, that. That's, oh, yeah. that's my chinder bile. It's going to go well. I am so glad that I'm beyond the. On, I think that's really hard. That mm. tinder business. Oh. It, it is driving people crazy. It's demoralising. And they have. People have stuff on their phones that is dangerous for anyone else to see. Absolutely. And the number of times, because I do a bit in my stand-up where I ask couples how they met, and I cannot believe that 95% of the people I ask met online. And I said, this is just, it's like getting a huge bag of salt and rubbing it into the open (laughs) wound that is my heart (laughs) night after night after night. But actually, there is this research around that's saying the people who meet on Tinder are more likely to get married faster than people who meet in Absolutely. other circumstances. It's, it's actually been a quite... It's been one of the things of the last 10 years which has brought people together has, because you don't just meet everybody. You can uh, pick and choose a little bit. Oh, you can find out problem. if the guy's never going to ask a that's question. That's my problem. I've been putting out too much, Richard. That's what it is. I'm meeting everybody. <laughs> Are you ready for the... We're talking about meeting Rebecca. Talking Are you ready me. for the Hello. wheel of death, ladies and gentlemen? When our audience came here, they threw these random topics onto this chocolate wheel. Uh, your mum... Wow. Uh, <laughs> chocolate, video, chickens, rhubarb, toothpaste, pirate, volcano, poodle, paper, 
romance, eggplant, and raspberry and silk are the topics. Mm. Thank you very much. Very good topics. Uh, which ones fill you full of fear, Rebecca? Uh, your mum, because I don't know any of you, so this could be a uh, very hit or miss. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you think you have to do the one who suggested your mum? No, no, because no. I can't remember who that is. No. But eggplant's also a little scary because <laughs> my mind tends to go into the gutter occasionally, so I have to <laughs> keep it clean. Well, let's see whether we're in the gutter or in the heavens as Rebecca faces the topic of chickens. Oh, thank goodness. Who suggested chickens? Very good. Nice okay. topic. Chickens. All right, chickens. For Rebecca. Should we do a little bit of a romantic, should we do a little oh, bit of a Valentine's, Valentine's Day, Day kind chicken. of chicken yeah, thing? So. Yeah, why not make it harder for myself? All right, here we go. Here we go. I'll never forget that day that I stood in that paddock and I waited for all my chickens to come home to roost. I've been standing there for nine upon five days. Sun beating down on my weary face and the rain occasionally trickling down my neck. (laughs) But I knew deep down that there was only one rooster that I wanted to be inside my coop. (laughs) His name was Dwayne. And Dwayne was the kind of guy that I gotta say, he made you tingle. And I'm not just talking about a little bit of a tingling in your heart like a flutter. Uh uh-uh. uh. I'm talking about a tingle that starts at the base of your neck and it spreads all the way down your spine and out like a tree into your limbs, your fingers, your toes. I gotta say, my gusset ain't seen no action like that before until I met Dwayne. I met him at a dance. I was the wallflower sitting in the corner and no guy had asked me. None of the other roosters came up and asked me to dance. I was just one of those chickens sitting there pecking at myself. (laughs) If I'd have laid an egg, I reckon I would have got a round of applause. But enough about my eggs, which have been wasting at that point. I just stood there and I watched him as he entered the room. Much like a rooster, he was wearing what I like to consider a bright crimson hat. It was a kind of hat that he'd tip at all the ladies as he walked by. He'd tip and nod and say, ma'am. But when he got to me, he kind of froze, forgot to tip the hat and just went, ooh. <laughs> I couldn't tell if this was positive or negative or whether this was a chicken he'd like to be plucking. <laughs> I said plucking. <laughs> but I waited. And I waited for a slow dance, because in the fast dances, my feet don't know which is left or right, and sometimes they're both in between. (laughs) I confuse myself with my metaphors sometimes. (laughs) But when he took me by the hand and he placed a strong hand on the middle of my back, I felt that tingle begin. And when he danced me around that room, he did not make me crash into one other dancer that night. He was a rooster who knew what he was doing. And I said to myself at the end of the night as he walked me up that path, up to the house where I'd stood in that field and waited for that rooster to come and be mine and claim me to be his chick. When he did that, all I could think to myself was (laughs) cock-a-doodle-doo. Dwayne and I have been together now upon 35 years now. We ain't had kids because we're smart. So we don't have to worry about our little chicklins going out and meeting a rooster or a hen or anything or any other kind of species. If it was a hen that wanted a hen, I'd be supportive of that. 
Anyway, my next-door neighbor's been standing out in her field for about 65 years now. And I don't know whether she's dead or just still desperate. I don't like her much, and I've always thought that she's a little bit of a cow. So I guess she's just waiting for some kind of bull. Does she die, ladies and gentlemen? Oh. She, she, she lives! Yeah. Hey. I don't know who that was. <laughs> that was. She was nice. Yeah. How does the rooster put his hand on the back of... <laughs> Haven't you seen Foghorn Leghorn? <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, the Guardian newspaper has this week been running a series in which people list their five life regrets, the things that they wished they'd done. What are yours, Subby? Uh, well, I really regret... Not uh, buying real estate in Bondi in the 1980s. Oh, yeah. I lived there and uh, I remember there was a carport for sale. Uh, literally, just, you could buy, and just, how ridiculous is that? It was sold last week for $1.4 million. <laughs> so I uh, probably should have got involved there, I reckon. That was a regret. Um, what else? I wish I'd gone to Woodstock, Richard. Yeah. I should have you, been. You, you're not been three and a half. You're not old, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would have rocked that joint. And the stories you could tell. If, as a three and a half year old at Woodstock, <laughs> the stories I'd tell now, everyone was nooding up anyway, nappies and that, don't worry about it. It would have been fine. So I regret I wasn't at Woodstock. Uh, I deeply regret that I voted for Mark Latham. Yeah. No, no explanation required. I'll leave that there. I know there's many of you did the same thing, don't you idiots. Think, don't you think everyone who voted for Mark Latham in that particular election should go outside their front door, maybe even do it tonight, yeah. find a neighbour who voted Liberal and say, thanks, mate. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Absolutely. It was just, wow, didn't we dodge a bullet? Yeah. So many of us. So that was, uh, I definitely, yeah, we got that. And the tax, think of the taxi drivers. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Actually, they'll probably be so pleased because he then would have gotten to Comcars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's... The threat would have been reduced. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, well, it, would the threat ever be reduced with Mark Latham? I don't think so. Uh, what else have I got? Oh, here's one. Uh, I really regret uh, that I, I had in my 20s, uh, I had a goatee for two years. <laughs> and, you know, in your 20s, that's when you look your best. Yeah. And I ruined two years of my 20s <laughs> looking know, like some weird pale Greek fisherman. It was a terrible time, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> it was just... I noticed you didn't get so much a laugh as a moan of sympathy. Well, it was. I look at the photos now and go, what is that? I don't grow a good goatee. Yeah. The moustache part's too thick. It gets all up in here. It's rubbish. There will and be after, after the gig, there'll be a collection for Subby's wife. No, no. It was... <laughs> no, obviously that was before her. I mean, nobody would go near me. That's my point. So I read, in my prime, two years, uh, just gone. Uh, and finally, you know the old cliche that people always say, I wish I'd spent more time with my kids? I wish I'd spent less time with my kids. <laughs> because it's ruined them. It's ruined them because they've ended up much too like me. Yeah. And that's no good for anyone, Richard. No, They're just no. like weird sort of yeah. lefty... Subby-like. Yeah, creatures, just yeah. sort of, you know, just the, the hopeless. They're, they're just waiting for Mark Latham to come in, back into power so they can vote for the I, bastard. I mean, you know, who, who wants a couple of... You know, inner west smart asses. There's, there's yeah. enough of them already. Yeah. yeah. So I've just started, I've got two more. So I, reg- I should have let him off the leash a little bit more, I reckon. Yeah. Regrets, he's got a few. <laughs> I do. Uh, what about you, Chris? Chris well, Ryan. Well, um, I wish I could, I mean, I don't know that this is a regret much as just a, a wish I was a different human being. Um, uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm all right. Like, don't worry. There, there's lots of good, but um, I can't retain facts. So I can't win a lot of arguments. You know what I mean? Like, even, like, 
even with family, um, if I want to talk to my parents about climate change, <clears throat> well, there's no point. Um, I can't remember facts to uh, counter arguments. And, and so, yeah, I regret not being able to... So they'll start talking about carbon capture and the, uh, when, when there's zero ca- emissions should be... Anything from the Murdoch yeah. uh, stable. Uh, but surely when you're talking <laughs> climate change, the lack of facts is the point from their point of view. Oh, so look, I, you know, but I'm sure if I could just retain one or two good ones, <laughs> you know, because like, yeah. I end up coming out with things that are made up and then that just is that just makes them feel more right. You know what I mean? Like, like the other day mum said something about... Um, I hope she's not listening. God. I never talk to my parents about this because we don't talk about these things. Um, uh, she said something about, I hope they uh, get the back burning under control for the next season. And I, and I just remember this sort of half-remembered fact and I couldn't quite remember what I was meant to say, but I said, Mum, I'll have you know that global warming has made it such that back burning will only be able to take place about two days. <laughs> A year. And that's not true. No, it's a little it's, bit more than that. It's actually four days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I undermine my own, you know, value there. It's, it's the conviction that you say it with. I, I know. But, any but, old nonsense as long as you I sound know, like you. I'm yeah. very bad at lying. You're not going to be a good columnist for the Telegraph <laughs> without attitude. You've got to no, go in hard. No, it's such a shame. <laughs> uh, to go 2.5 days I a know, year. I know, I know. If you just get angrier, yeah, um, it sounds more believable, doesn't it? Um I wish that I had gone and take some um, some tape recordings of my grandparents' sayings, mm-hmm. uh, and also just the way they they saw the world and what happened and and things like that. Um, for the good reasons of wanting to know what it was like for them and be able to tell my kids and stuff, but also because I think there was a lot of gold in there that I missed out on. Uh, comedy what, gold. What sort is. of stuff did they? What did they? Oh, uh, look, my grandfather was a huge tight ass, um, and and also just and very funny, very quick witted, um, and. So, you know, he would have things that he did. Like I, my parents always talk about how if we were out at a restaurant, he'd buy a big plate of chips and then he would spit on the chips um, so that nobody else would have them. I know, so I know why everyone's are you alarmed. Taking notes? <laughs> that sounds, it's not bad, is it? I've always I mean, gone for the licking, it. but it's much harder. Yeah. Um, Oh, I, 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 look, there's a lot of fashion regrets. Um, you know, I, there was, there was a lot of, lot of hairstyle regret. Um, I regret going into, can I say the brand name of a place where yes. I got my hair yes, cut? Um, in Are Mount- they going to sue me? <laughs> <laughs> look, here's the thing. I used to be a t- uh, like a, a um, print journalist and I wanted to, I got an interview as a TV journalist and I thought I better need, I need a good haircut. And I went into Nara Just Cuts. Um, so you, you said you wanted a good haircut, didn't you? I didn't say I had a lot of money. Right, okay, um, right. And I came out looking like Ray Martin. Um, <laughs> I did not get the job. Um, <laughs> TV journalist? Oh, yeah. Old, old ladies liked me more. Um, so, yeah, there was a lot of hairstyle problems in my life that I, I would go back and fix. Um, also... It does give your husband a chance to make up to you the next day, though, because right, he can right. say it doesn't look terrible. Oh, true. Yeah. Oh, good call back there, Richard. I think you need to try comedy. Um, <laughs> no, seriously, your I've deliveries... I've been thinking about it. Well, I, I run a room in Canberra. You're very welcome. Um, uh, also, uh, what was the other... Oh, yeah. In Year 6, I did flash dance for my Year 6 teacher yes. at lunchtime. Yes. Uh, I don't regret that. I'm just saying, I just want you to know. Um, I, I truly did. I asked if I could see her at lunchtime. She said yes, thinking Unreal. I had problems. Um, Which you did. I, look, I like to think I, I didn't, uh, Richard. Uh, I went into the girls' toilets when the bell rang. Uh, I put on my, my leotard, my, my headband, my wristbands and my leg warmers and I came Unreal. out with my cassette tape, walked into the lunch, her, her staff room and, I, and she was eating a salad sandwich and I... 
I put on flash dance and I did it because I learned all the Corrie. And um, I finished with the big dive roll and everything and she's still holding her sandwich and just her eyes popping out of her head and she just looked at me and she just went, oh, um, thank you, Christine. I went, it's all right. What I regret <laughs> is... Who supports more pay for teachers? <laughs> what I regret is I didn't ask for follow-up or even feedback. Mm. You know, I felt that it was a good performance, but I will totally. never know what she I thought. I think that I... look of mute disbelief was the feedback. <laughs> but I, I, I think she should have let someone else know. You know, I mean, if not the psychologist, you know, just, you know, fame school or something. I just something, you know, like it was left there hanging. I just had a vision of her with the salad sandwich and just as you finished a little bit of beetroot just dropped out of the bottom. Followed by Hello Docs. Uh, Rebecca, what do you what do you what do you regret? So many things. Um, I really regret that I have yet to learn Spanish. I wish I was fluent in Spanish. My dad is from Panama, as you all know. I really wish I'd learnt that as a language, which makes me wish that when my dad moved from Panama to Australia, that Australia didn't have a policy of making people from other countries fit in and stop speaking in their native language. That's what I also wish. Uh, I wish I'd learnt to play the guitar because um, it would be so great. I just love Spanish it. Spanish guitar, surely. Spanish flamenco yeah. guitar. Because <laughs> uh, I love it at parties and things when people can just bring out a guitar and enter. Like, they're always the really popular people, aren't they? They can just break out a song. And then I really love doing musical improv, but it's really hard to do that on your own, on stage, <laughs> with no musical accompaniment, without people getting up and leaving. I'd be able to accompany myself. That'd be good fun. I also wish uh, that I had the ability to store phone numbers in my phone correctly after having had a few drinks because I get the feeling I would not be single right now. <laughs> because there was, I remember one guy I had such a crush on and when we, we did an Edinburgh Fringe together and we had a little bit of a romance, it was lovely, and uh, he moved back uh, to his part of the world and I moved to mine and then we ended up living in the same city for a while and we ran into each other and he gave me his number but I'd been at a 21st so I didn't even know my own name. Um, so he gave me his number, right? And I was living in a flat that was up for sale. Um, I was living uh, and, and, and it had to have people come through all the time. And I had also stored the number of the real estate agent who rang a lot to say that he needed people to come over for an inspection and everything. And so I clearly stored the two numbers wrong and I kept getting all these invites to go and watch films at this brilliant <laughs> cinema and to go for a drink and how about a picnic? And I thought, this real estate agent is really really weird. Like, <laughs> turns out, and I didn't find this out till like, years later, it was the guy. I know. I know. How sad is that? But also really pathetic. Um, it's a note. Don't drink, kids. Uh, and I, I also and wish... his name was Brad Pitt. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not my type. Um, but I wish uh, I had the ability to network and promote myself. Mm. I really do. I'm so bad. I could sell all of you. I could promote the... the bejangles out of you. I just can't do it about myself. I missed that um, confidence, you know, that real confidence that people have to be able to walk into a room and seize every opportunity, and particularly in our industry. But Australians don't like that, do no. they? Well, I mean... But also you're doing pretty well, Beck. Like, oh. I, I don't think... You're, you're not lacking in opportunities here. Well, 
the hundred and twenty dollars in my bank account would suggest <laughs> otherwise. But um, so we have, we have, you know, I often have American guests on the radio, and they'll yeah. be bigging themselves up, and they'll be oh. saying, "I won the Oscar alone yeah. last week, and I did this." And I feel like saying, Shh, "Don't the audience won't like you." I will say you won the Oscar. Don't you don't say it. I know. I get embarrassed, and like for for festivals and stuff, as we all know, like when you when you have to promote your show in amongst hundreds and hundreds of others, uh, we we fly us, so we hand out our flyers to a potential audience mm-hmm. and say, "Come and see our show." And I can't even hand out my own flyers to tell people to come to my show. So um, one comedian and I made this plan where we'd swap and I'd promote him and he'd promote me. Much easier. Much, much easier. Especially every time you gave out his, you said, don't go to that. No, I made sure we weren't on at the same time because that's a terrible thing to do. And the other, one of the biggest regrets I have, and I'm gonna, this is going to get a bit mushy, but I really regret that I never met uh, my grandmother's. Because um, apparently I am the spitting image. I've seen him photo. Well, we've the had spitting enough spitting stories image. with the grandparents. <laughs> there we go. There's a hook. I'm the spitting image. I've seen a, photo, a few photos and I'm the spitting image of my, my father's mum. Uh, and when we went to Panama, my, my grandfather was sitting with photos. Um, and my mum went, Rebecca, come here now. And I thought I was in trouble. And I looked at this photo and I looked and it was like looking in a mirror. It was unbelievable. And I, we've never met. I never met my mum's mum either. But with my dad's mum, we have a, this really weird connection. It's amazing. I've never met her. Don't know. But she's, I know she's been there. Maybe helping promote me when I can't. You know, all those sort of things. And when we went to try and find her gravesite in Panama, nobody could remember where it was because, you know, my grandfather just knew it as being there. My dad hadn't been back to Panama in 30 years. And I was getting really annoyed because it was hot. It's tropical. And I was just young and a bit of a bitch. And so I just kept saying, let's go, let's go, come on, let's go. And as soon as I did that, I fell over. I tripped over and I looked up and there she was. <laughs> so I just, I think the two of us together could have been pretty invincible. <laughs> if you get to heaven and there's a Panamanian lady handing out pamphlets for Rebecca, <laughs> who are the winners and losers? Subby. Uh, the winners um, got to be just the farmers of New South Wales, those people who've finally got some rain. Yeah, yeah. Which is just fantastic, like people. Except just... it knocked over all the temporary fences they put up after the other fences burnt. Yeah, anyway. I, don't, I don't think they care. They're just so happy of speaking to people, like my mate Marley and Walker and various people, and it's just like, man, they just like. I mean, it's not the drought's not broken or anything like that, but there just must be lots of smiles around. So that's great. Uh, and the loser is just America, because <laughs> like obviously always, but I mean, out of three hundred and thirty million people, you're down to. I mean, Bernie's a nice guy, but he's 78 years old, for God's mm-hmm. sake. he got old pony idiot. You know, like that's <laughs> – out of all those people, that's, that's who you come up with. Yeah, but Mayor no... Pete's great. Mayor Pete's a Mayor clown. Pete. Mayor Pete's great. Chris, who are the winners and losers? Oh, look, mine's not going to be news-related. <laughs> Because I don't like the news very much, Richard. That's not um, I think actually, well, just earnest for a moment. If you have all of the members of your immediate family alive, you're a winner. Um, because there's a lot of people that that you know have terrible things happen, and that that can strike at any time. So if you've got that happening, you're you're really lucky. Uh, also, uh, the losers. Um, yeah, I would ag- agree with the American. Uh, public. It's all 320 million of them. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Every time. Rebecca, time. quickly, very oh, quickly. Oh, the loser was me because I was forced to watch Married at First Sight just to help Robbie and Wendy talk about it on breakfast. And the winner was me because it made me realise I don't have it so bad. Please <laughs> <laughs> thank Chris Ryan, Sonny Valentine and Rebecca De Unamuno. Thanks for being part of Thank God It's Friday. Next week we have Anthony Ackroyd, H.G. Nelson and Wendy Harmer. Uh, for the music, the mighty Greg Arthur. Put the TGIF page into your search engine to grab your free tickets. Be like the people today. Bring someone for free. And then when you're asked if you're single, put your hand up. <laughs> 
special Letter from America with Tommy Dean. Time now for another Letter from America with Tommy Dean. As our TGIF regular returns home so his Aussie son can experience life in the Dean homeland. But after two decades down under, can Tommy ever fit back into American society? Well, he's on the line for us again from uh, small town Iowa. Good afternoon. Small town Illinois. Oh, Illinois. that right? Sorry, Illinois. Small town Illinois. I understand that Iowa's on everybody's radar because of the uh, uh, debacle that's in the right. democracy process. Yeah, yeah. When, when do you get to vote in Illinois, if you're a Democrat? Um, the primaries are coming up soon. Uh, in fact, I just got noticed today that February 18th is the last chance to register, but I am fully registered and ready to process the paperwork. Yeah, because someone was saying to me the other day, it is a, even though it seems chaotic and it seems stupid they will attack each other, there's another side to it, really, which is that 40 million or 50 million Americans participate in choosing the candidates, which is kind of a great democratic tradition, really. And they should be more. I mean, I think over the last few years, it has gotten better in the numbers. And so if I have my one chance in 30 years to participate, by golly, I'm going to go mm-hmm. in for it. Mm-hmm. In Illinois, who will they go? Will they go for the, the you know, the left wing Bernie Sanders types or the small town Pete uh, Buttigieg type or the, you know, or the Joe Biden more traditional type? My feeling locally is uh, there's a bit of a right wing lean, uh, locally speaking, but Illinois as a whole is a democratic state. Uh, it was Illinois, of course, that gave us Barack Obama in terms of he was a Chicago senator from Illinois. So uh, they tend uh, okay, to have but you're saying out of Biden and Butter Judge, they'll pick Trump. <laughs> yeah, just based on you know the way the world is going. Your your bus mates. <laughs> that's yeah. That's your source, isn't it? The bus mates. They're keen. But at this point, I don't like. I said I am not a deeply political person, and occasionally I look. I like to look after myself. So there is a touch of Republican in me. <laughs> a strong streak of it from the family side. So I I would just like to say that if for any weird reason any of my family is listening to this podcast, I am deeply considering both sides. (laughs) As a voter, I want them to know that I am going to look hard at the issues and the way they are presented by the people who are going to represent those issues, and then I will make a well-informed, well-thought-out Hang on, hang on, hang on. You said to me last week, that you were intentionally running out of money so you could call up your mum and ask for a donation and you were only doing that in order to rob your mother of funds which she would otherwise give to the Trump campaign. Well, that is true and I am not sure who to blame in this situation but somebody has told my mom this podcast exists. (laughs) Oh, no! (laughs) Disaster! I had no idea she knew even how to make podcasts come up on her computer. (laughs) Uh, but somebody has informed her, and she has found the button to press. <laughs> and as soon as last week's episode went to air, uh, I got a very angry text. <laughs> then I got another angry text. And then she sent me a picture of her concealed carry pistol purse. <laughs> just, just to remind me yeah. that there's more than just grandma's cash down in that bag. <laughs> <laughs> and I better be careful what I'm saying. She now wants you to give the money back so she can give it to Trump. Uh, that seems to be, but she's, you know, she's, she's a lovely woman, of course, a glorious, glorious woman. So she simply <laughs> sent me the address to send the money straight to it. Really <laughs> send it back. So she's re- quite enthusiastic about the Donald. You know, truthfully, I choose not to speak to her directly about it. Uh, my feeling is, is that she accepts that Donald Trump 
uh, is the president, but would I think she would prefer a better candidate, but she's deeply ingrained in the Republican way of life. So I would like to believe that as a woman of good religious faith and quality of life issues, uh, he can't be her favorite person. Uh-huh. But given that but, he's the Republican choice. Yeah. Then that's absolutely who she's going to go for. Yeah. And she's got her concealed weapon. Someone like your <laughs> mom, would she take that everywhere? Uh, well, that's the whole point of it. But the problem with a concealed weapon, um, generally speaking, and in my mother's case, is that the purse that it is in is so ostentatious, <laughs> she might as well wear a shoulder holster. <laughs> well, it's obviously a gun, huh? Oh, it's clearly a gun. Nobody has a purse that looks like that. <laughs> what does it look like? Uh, it's got the American flag on one side, and I'm pretty sure, I should have sent me one picture of it, but I'm pretty sure on the back of it uh, is uh, the American Constitution will be printed on the back. I mean, not all of it, clearly. <laughs> Just the Second Amendment. Just the Second Amendment. Because your dad's got weapons too, right? Oh, yeah, of course. But he doesn't conceal his. He makes a point of wearing them out loud. That's the whole, <laughs> he's about deterrence. We all grew up around farmers. All farmers had them. And then the city likes to eat vegetables, too, so they had to get guns. What have guns got to do with Here. vegetables? Just farmers. The same farmers. You know, that farming mentality. You don't shoot a vegetable. Oh, then you don't know how to serve them. <laughs> you ever seen an eggplant coming at you at speed? 30-30 is not going to cover that situation. Got to take it down. Got to take it down. <laughs> Now, let's talk about all the generations here. So we've talked upwards to your mum and dad. What about downwards to Asher, your son Asher, you know, the point of this whole uh, enterprise? How's he going? He, unfortunately, uh, had a brief mention last week of him getting a little sick, and it has only gotten a little bit worse. Uh, This is a delightful experience in a sense because for the first time we're trying to avoid it. Uh, We are living a very careful dance uh, in this escapade, but we have very limited insurance. Ah. Uh, so we have the kind of insurance that were something terrible to happen, uh, that would be fine. Uh, but if something minor happened, like getting a bit of bronchitis, that is not the case. Ah. I wasn't really sure what to expect, so we went to the local doctor, and I was quite shocked uh, because a couple of nice people in front of me, and the situation seemed rather easy. They would step up. The lovely receptionist would say, may I see your insurance card? They would show it. She would give them a form. They would sign it. Please wait for the doctor to call you. This happened twice in front of me. You thought thought, thought people criticize this system, but it's really not too bad. That's quite simple. Look at how easy it is. And then she said, can I see your insurance card? And I said, oh, I don't have any insurance. And then an alarm went off, and she went in the back and got a very big man. (laughs) You you were saying you got some sort of insurance. Yeah, but not for this. You know, oh, okay, I have right, kind of okay. insurance that you have to pay grandly up front. So I was like, uh, what's the situation if you don't have an insurance card? Hold on. I'll just get Rufus. <laughs> He'll have a word to you about our payment plan and what happens if you don't make it. <laughs> oh, they did not say that. Well, they were a little bit nicer. But uh, generally speaking, you fill out a lot more paperwork. What was hilarious is there was like four forms to sign. A guy had to come out of the back and sign off for the receptionist that this was acceptable. And the total cost for the visit was $69. I was like, can I just give you $69? It seems like it's not that big a problem. I'm quite happy to pay you right now. Oh, no. All of our billing goes through the mail, so you just want to make sure that you know the penalties and situations if you don't pay it. I was just like, look, here's 70 bucks. Mm -hmm. And my son, see the person who hands out antibiotics. I'm sure this is the same as it is in Australia. You're going to tap him on the chest and give him antibiotics. 
How much does that cost? Oh, no, sir, we don't just do that. We have to have a good hard look. So he went in the back, they tapped him on the chest and gave him antibiotics. <laughs> I have heard stories, though, you know, of people who've had really quite good insurance, they had proper jobs and stuff like that, but then some calamity happened. Like one person I'm thinking of, the calamity was they had twins, that was all, and it basically bankrupted them. That's true regardless of whether or not anything bad happens. I just want anybody to know that. I've got twins, and that's just <laughs> what happens. You have twins, you lose all your money, no, no, get the, on with it. The, for them, the problem was the American medical system. Look, the, maybe the twins were premier or something, but this one act, even though they had insurance, was enough to ruin their lives financially. It is it's true. It is brutal. In fact, that is a terrible catch cry in the American medical system here is that everybody is one bad health crisis Hmm. from bankruptcy because you know everybody has it the insurance is quite expensive and there's lots of different ways to get it there's lots of different insurance but there is so many clauses and conditions and things that aren't covered and they have just made it so deeply disturbingly hard to negotiate that you just don't necessarily know what you're covered for so insurance sounds like a cover-all but not really maybe you were only covered for up to a certain amount of money, only for certain conditions, only for certain ideas, only for certain doctors, only for certain hospitals. It's really deeply complex. It must make people so conservative too in terms of, you know, if, you, if you're in a job, you hated, you hated the boss, you're not going to march out of there. You, you're going to be very cautious, wait until you've got another job lined up because you don't want to appear without cover, presumably. Oh, it's absolutely true. Uh, and there's even a thing here called bridging insurance where if you move from a job to another job, and your first job insurance is going to run out when you leave, and then you're not going to start your new job till a month from now, then there's heaps of insurance to try to cover that gap, which are brutally expensive. When I was looking into it to get it for us here, just these little short-term insurance plans, I would really rather just be deported. (laughs) That's your insurance. Deportation yeah, to a medical us. plane. Just yeah. send me back to Australia, man. Your policy says bound for Botany Bay on it. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Back to the conservatism of it. If someone's got a job and they think, oh, look, you know, I've saved up a bit of money. I'm going to take a risk. And, and for the next six months, I'm going to do my, what I, my heart's thing. I'm going to make handmade musical instruments or I'm going to write a novel or I'm going to, you know, whatever it is. The idea that by doing that, you're putting yourself at such financial risk, not having a job with insurance attached, must stop people from doing all sorts of things like that. It does. I think everybody is just hanging on. I'm starting to get that feeling that people are doing everything they can just to keep the jobs they have because it's a very difficult job market, especially at the low end. And I'm quite shocked at the things (laughs) <laughs> like we were at the doctor's, uh, we went to the pharmacy and we had a half hour wait. So we went to a local fast food restaurant to have a snack while we waited for the med- medicine. And there was a kid cleaning the baseboards, you know, at the floor. So he's down on his hands and knees cleaning the edges of walls. And as we walk out of the restaurant, he's like, hey, thanks for coming. Hope you have a great day. Oh, gosh, OK. Like, surely that is not your job to be the greeter when you're down there doing the worst job ever. <laughs> Your own uh, experiment to join the uh, American job market hasn't quite worked out. No, no, not when I see examples like that. No, I I either clean the skirting boards or I say hello. Tommy Dean does not do both. Because I just feel like you can't have that. There's a weird, I'm trying to find a word for it, but like this joyous disconnect between happy hello mixed with a sub-level of my life is terrible. (laughs) 
Like there's a guy I see at the grocery store. He might store, be just like, an optimistic guy. No, it's not. No, I mean, it's like a weird, terrible creme brulee. And the sugar coating cracks on the top with a how you gone, mate. And the cream brulee underneath is rotten and sour. And they can't wait for their shift manager to say, you're done, Bill. Go home for the day. Like, what's the answer all the time? It's a guy at the produce department in the grocery store. And every day, you know, I see him. I nod. I'm there a lot. Hey, how you going? He says, living the dream. Till three. <laughs> That's pretty funny, actually, isn't it? <laughs> every time to every person. I don't, I don't think he believes it. Of course, all these people are paid. What are they paid? Nine dollars an hour, I think. Yeah, nine to twelve, maybe fourteen. Yeah, that'd be some by minimum job, but most of the minimum wage, even for good stuff, like most of the stuff I've been looking at at my dream job level, is like thirteen dollars is like as high as I've seen for stuff that I could even possibly hope to get. And that would be li- literally flipping burgers or something, would it? Flipping burgers, but even bigger things. You know, driving caravans for old folks' homes. I mean, bus drivers, the, the local bus drivers, I think, get 22 an hour. But most of it's less, way less than that. Like the restaurants, because restaurants are all on tips. So I saw one job advertising for $5.50 an hour plus tips. Mm. There was that good book, wasn't it? Was it called Nickel and Dime? It had some title like that, written by a, a journalist who went into, to, I think, Florida and then somewhere in the Midwest for two periods of, you know, a few months each and simply got a minimum wage job and tried to live on it and tried really hard to live on it, you know, hired the, the cheapest accommodation she could in a caravan park or something like that and, and ate at, is it called Denny's or something? They ate at the cheapest restaurant you could, cheapest fast mm. food restaurant you can possibly eat at, even cheaper than cooking your own food really. But she found it was just impossible. She, she said, look, actually, if you were married and you were both working and you were, you know, sharing the one little caravan, you could possibly do it. But as a single person, it, it just didn't compute. It absolutely does not. It absolutely does not, and I do not know how people do it. Like I'm getting by just on a bit of good management and good help. And sealing your mother's Trump <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. money. So I would just like to remind everyone that I love my mother more than anyone, <laughs> just so she knows. Yeah. But, yeah, it can't even imagine, because costs jump on you everywhere. You know, you turn around, and, you know, $70 to see a doctor for five minutes is a lot. Yeah, that would cost that. I mean, apart from Medicare, I suppose, it would cost, you know. I thought it might be more in America. I thought it might be even more. But, I mean, that's just a jump. I'm just saying little things you can. Like, I know for a fact that my bills at this house will be $250 a month. That's just first. And that's already, you know, what's that, a week and a half? Hmm. Two weeks? I work two weeks just to cover the utilities. And then that's two more weeks for the rent, which is way more than that. And then you're like, you know, there's your life. Like, literally, I live, I make my own bread because bread costs $3 a loaf, but I can buy two pounds of flour for $1.80, and I, I make my own bread. Is that going well? Going really well. I really like it. But the point is, that was not because I love baking and wanted to get into it. That was literally a place to save money when that's $3 I don't have to spend, you know, every two days. Why do American working class people put up with it? Why aren't they all revolutionaries? Here's my theory. I've been making this argument for a long time. My theory is we all believe that at any minute we are going to win the lottery and become super millionaires, and then we will automatically be protected by the financial structures put in place by the millionaire Republicans that we've so followed for so long. So it's just a a, a national ability to hope in the face of all previous learning. 
got to be because I do not understand how it can be anything but that. It just feels like there is so much money in this country that is being funneled upward when it could, to the benefit of the country, be funneled outward. And I don't know why there are not more riots. You know, I don't know how Walmart can be the richest, you know, Sam Walton can be the richest family in America and be paying minimum wage to Walmart employees. I don't know how the Amazon guy can run billions and then his employees can't afford insurance. I don't know how that can possibly stand. When your mum, Tommy, listens to this podcast and she hears this communist lefty talk, what's she going to say? She worked for the state government for years. She is well aware that I'm right. (laughs) And also, clearly, she's somewhat socialist in her leanings as well because she's, you know, kind enough to send me bread money. Yeah. That's that's not but, socialist. That's 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 Christian charity. Well, that's what I mean. She's very much in the Christian charity point. That's a good point. Now that I think about it, uh, she taught me everything I know about baking and uh, casseroling and uh, bitching about what Mrs. Johnson brought on Wednesday. <laughs> All the pleasures of uh, of small town yeah. life. Hey, uh, the fires are out, which is great, but we're in the middle of being flooded here. How's the weather where you are? We are living a world of extremes. It is, and I, I know that I have mentioned my inability to live in the cold before, but by golly, we've set a record. It is minus 20. Minus 20? <laughs> minus 20. Wow. That is 20 below zero in the Celsius scale. That is, and I'm pretty sure, the same temperature as outer space. Does your nose fall off when you go outside? It, everything falls off. It is so cold. I had mints set out to defrost for my dinner, and I had to put it back in the freezer just to be sure that it would be ready <laughs> when it came time to cook it. It is so cold. But that's you, the, the, mince, the mince is presumably inside on the kitchen sink. You've got a heating in the house. Look, that sort of stuff ruins jokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do have heating in the house. Thank God for that. I think I've long loved the idea of central heating, and I love it so much right now so much. Today was bin day, so I took the bins out and nearly didn't make it back. So someone like, you know, the person who's, uh, I don't know, picking up the garbage or, or you know, driving, what, what, are they, what are they wearing? Oh, they've got, uh, they've got the gear. Oh, people here got the gear. They got the big knee-high boots and the long jackets of, made of antlers of elks. <laughs> <laughs> like, like they, they recognize weather is a very big talking point here because nobody can quite understand. Because it's going to be about 17 on Sunday. It's minus 20 today. And by Sunday, it will be back up to 15, possibly 17. Wow. And nobody, nobody can quite make sense of that. What would they say if, they, if you told them about a town called Sydney where ranges from sort of pleasantly cold enough that you can wear your favourite jumper to maybe a little bit hot on a couple of summer's days? I, know, I told her, as a woman on the bus, I was telling her that exact thing. And she said, oh, you come from a city of babies. <laughs> Just a bunch of babies. You should come here where people know how to put up with real things. I said, whoa, that's a little rough. And then I realized because it was minus 20, she was giving me the literal cold shoulder. <laughs> well, from this bunch of babies to you gun-toting Yankees, you have a good week. Yeah, stay rugged up. Only until Friday, and then I'm going to get my bikini on and go for a swim. Yeah. And Mrs. Dean, if you're listening to this... Please don't take anything Tommy has said so badly that you cut off the funds. No, because, you know, I don't want to be all, you know, starting family domestic violence, but 
you know, maybe somebody else got a concealed permit too. <laughs> you want to meet me in the street at high noon? <laughs> I don't believe that. I think you're the only member of your family, in fact, who's unarmed. I know, but you know, if it comes to it, I've watched a lot of action movies, so I'm, I'll, if I have to grab one, I'll know what to do. Yeah, you get your I'm bread. Sure I'm, not, I'm not saying your bread is you know overly heavy, but you could cut it into slices and do the oh, do the sort of ninja thing. Yeah, it's deadly. But really, it's just as deadly if you just have a nice slice of it with toast and Vegemite. Yeah. Maybe I'll just serve that. That'll keep them away. Oh, you got the you got the Vegemite over there. Oh, certainly. You can't live without Vegemite in this country. It's it's the one thing that holds me in pieces. Right when I was about to pull the Republican lever and shoot somebody, Vegemite toast reset me. And all of a sudden, I was like, oh, I shall be right, mate. There you go. There you see Tommy Dean's whole situation in a nutshell. As I said at the beginning, after two decades down under, will he ever fit back home? We'll talk again next week. Thanks, Tommy. See you, mate. There's Tommy. That was Special Letter from America with Tommy Dean. And there'll be another letter from America with Tommy Dean next week. You're listening to ABC Radio Sydney. You're listening to Drive with Richard Glover on ABC Radio Sydney.